Before we get started with this episode of American Rabbi Project, a few quick things. First of all, if you like what you're hearing, please consider donating to this podcast. You can do so by going to my website, rabbiproject.com, and clicking on the Donate tab. Also, I am officially on the speaking circuit, so to say. If you're interested in having me speak to your group of any size, please shoot me an email, justin at rabbiproject.com. Once again, justin at rabbiproject.com. And of course, I can do virtual presentations. Finally, everyone interviewed for this podcast speaks solely for themselves. Welcome to American Rabbi Project, the podcast about American Judaism from the perspective of rabbis across the country. I'm Justin Regan. I drove more than 14,000 miles on this road trip. I traveled through crowded cities, intimidating mountain passes, and rain-soaked back roads. I never even got into a minor fender bender, and I'm really grateful for that. Even though I'm doing a podcast on Judaism, I'm not really that religious. But you do get more so when you're traveling on such a scale. I even went as far as to put a mezuzah in my car. Now, a mezuzah is a box containing scrolls of scripture that many Jews put on their door frames as a mark of protection and faith. So when I moved out of my apartment in Flagstaff, I plucked mine off the frame and turned it into a car zuzah. And I thought I was being really original until I went to a Judaica shop in Philly and discovered they're already a thing. Regardless, I figured it was nice to have extra divine protection from crashes on the roads and bears in the mountains. When I was in South Dakota, I met a lovely young couple also on a road trip. They were traveling in the opposite direction. They had an RV and a dog and a mezuzah. And we had a fun conversation about where do you put that for an RV? at the home entrance on the side, or the cabin entrance where you drive. As always, I'm sure it's open to plenty of interpretation. Personally, for my sedan, I put it on the passenger side. I'm not sure why, but it was nice to have a spiritually centered car, even if the AC didn't always work. Episode 3, Utah, the reformative rabbi of Rome. I'd been to Salt Lake City several times before this trip and always enjoyed myself. The Salt Lake itself is quite an experience, and it reminds me of the Dead Sea, except it's not as salty and there aren't hordes of birthright students covering themselves in mud like they're in a Predator movie. SLC is the capital of Utah and the capital of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also called the Mormon Church. More than half of the state's population is Mormon. The rest are Gentiles, like Rabbi Sam Spector. Hi, I'm Rabbi Sam Spector. I am the senior rabbi at Congregation Kola Me in Salt Lake City, Utah, the largest synagogue in the state of Utah. I mean, when I told people I was moving to Utah, people the most common question I got was, there are Jews in Utah? Yes. Yes, there are. Jews have been here almost as long as the Mormons have. Utah was even one of the first states to elect a Jew as governor, Simon Bomberger, in 1917. Legend has it on the campaign trail a Mormon called him a Gentile, a term both Jews and Mormons used to refer to those not in their faith. Bomberger therefore responded by saying as a Jew he'd been called many bad names, but it was the first time he was ever called a Gentile. The quip melted away the man's hostility and helped him win the governorship. Utah is the most religious state, uh, being the headquarters for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So it's very much part of the culture here that not only religion is important, 
um, but respect for religion is important, and the community is important too. Um, but because of that importance of religion, we have very strong membership retention here. But it's still a small Jewish population. So even though Kol Ami is the biggest congregation in the state with about 400 families, it would be considered medium-sized in other parts of the country. Also, they don't have the numbers for an individual reform and an individual conservative congregation, so Kol Ami has a merged congregation. However, Spector says there's a magnitude to being a rabbi in SLC that isn't felt anywhere else in the U.S. There's no other city is the headquarters of a major world religion. And so here I get to really be an ambassador for the Jewish world um, to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and meet with its leadership. Uh, and that's a, that's a really exciting and unique thing to being a rabbi in this city that I think the only other rabbis that can really compare that uh, to is, um, is the ones in Rome. That city being the headquarters of the Catholic Church. And as an ambassador in America's Rome, Spectre hasn't noticed a lot of tension between Mormons and Jews these days. Instead, there seems to be a good amount of respect. The church, they really connect, I think, with us. There's a thing called philosemitism, a love of Judaism, um, that's very prominent in this church in particular, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and they see a lot of their narrative as ours, just as we left Egypt led by Moses and found our promised land escaping persecution. They left persecution in the Midwest with their Moses being Brigham Young and came out here to their promised land. And that's why you have their version of the Dead Sea here, uh, Great Salt Lake, um, the Jordan River, Zion. Uh, Moab and Mount Nebo, a lot of the same named places in a holy city with their holy temple in it. In fact, when Spectre was hired, he was advised to not refer to the synagogue as a temple, like most Reform and some conservative congregations do. The reason being, quote, there's only one temple in town. From a professional standpoint, Spectre describes his relationship to the church as very lovely. Their security has even assisted Kola Me in the past. But there are areas where we differ, in particular, you know, the synagogue's vision as a whole is very much in favor of same-sex marriages and um, LGBTQ rights. Uh, I know that there are more, um, I'm not supposed to call them Mormons anymore, but uh, members of the church who... Um, share that view, but the church as a whole believes that marriage should be between a, a man and a woman. So there are areas where we differ. However, despite our differences, I think we're able to have a great relationship and really see a lot of uh, holiness in each other and have a lot of respect for, the, for one another. Spectre's path to Rome started when he was a high school kid in Southern California. There was a synagogue near the campus, and it became his sanctuary when his parents got divorced. In that moment, I had my Yisrael, my struggle with God of why aren't things working out the way that I hope for? But as, as I engaged in that struggle, I also engaged in more studying and more leadership and more advocacy. And uh, I really found a home for me in the Jewish community. I saw that I got to really be alongside my rabbi a voice for social change and advocacy 
while using um, my heritage and values to, to promote that. Specter also says there's an intimacy that comes with being a rabbi. He serves as the bridge between big moments in his congregants' lives and Judaism. People call me in the most important moments of their life, good and bad. Whatever it may be, I'm one of the first phone calls. And that's really, really exciting and really meaningful to me that people are calling me and saying, can you connect this really happy moment with our Jewish heritage? But also in really difficult moments. I'm getting a divorce. I just got diagnosed with a terminal illness. My husband just died. I'm one of those first calls also with people saying, my worst nightmare just came true, and uh, I need you, and I need Judaism in this moment. Specter is also a bridge of other sorts. His congregation is both conservative and reform. They stem from separate synagogues that were both founded in the 1890s, but due to low membership numbers, they merged in 1972. Now, it's not unheard of for multiple congregations of different denominations to share a synagogue, but it's more rare for multiple denominations to share a congregation and a rabbi. Our name, Kolami, means all of my people. Um, that's what we seek to be. Uh, I know during the rabbinic search process that that was a little tense at times for people because there were people in this community who very much wanted a conservative rabbi and others who very much wanted a reform rabbi. And Specter thinks he's the right fit because while he practices conservative, his beliefs are more reform. It also helps that the two denominations have a lot of similarities, like egalitarianism and being more lenient on certain traditions compared to orthodoxy. However, there are some key differences. In the past, there have been some ideological challenges uh, about recognizing who is a Jew. I do recognize Jews of patrilineal descent, but there have been rabbis in the past who haven't, and that's created you know, tension in the community when somebody who's a member here is told, we don't see your kid as Jewish, and that's something I'm working to change. Personally, Specter believes the tradition of only recognizing a person as Jewish if their mother is Jewish is outdated. Especially, he says, in a time when it is much more clear to know who someone's father is. But having a merged congregation means not everyone holds that belief. Still, Specter believes the bulk of the tension between the two denominations comes from a lack of understanding. I think that oftentimes reform people think that conservative Judaism is not accessible or welcoming to them, which I don't think is true. And I've had conservative people tell me I won't step foot in a reform service, but then they tell me their ideology, and it's like, well, actually, you believe pretty much the exact same things as the reform folks here. So I, I think there's a little bit of ignorance for a lot of people on both sides uh, and misconceptions about the other movement. And so I'm really hoping to take this place from being duly affiliated to a blended community that happens to hold two of uh, membership affiliations. Now, the community is blended in some ways. The kids at the Hebrew school learn together, with each child choosing if they want a reform or conservative bar or bat mitzvah ceremony. Once a month, Specter conducts an interdenominational service, but usually Shabbat and high holiday services are separate, one reform and one conservative. 
And he says there might never be a day where all prayers are mixed. But something that we're looking to do is more adult education programming and also put in some international travel every other year, opportunities to see the world with each other. And I think that when we do that, yeah, people will still go to wherever they're comfortable for, for prayer, but people will get to really know each other better and uh, there will be more for them here that is not along denominational lines. And for Spectre, this goes beyond building community in his Utah synagogue. It's part of a larger issue of member retention that shuls across the country are facing. I think that for a long time, synagogues were bar mitzvah factories. I, 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 everybody is kind of freaking out that synagogues across the country are losing membership. And what I found out, I was too, until I found out, no, people have always quit synagogues. Um, the difference is that for a long time, synagogues were focused on bar mitzvah. And so every year after kids' bar mitzvahs, they would bat mitzvahs, they would lose 100 families and they get 110 new ones. Since the recession, people are saying, is this worth my money? Do I need to belong to a synagogue to be Jewish? So now, you know, people are maybe losing 100 families and gaining 85, uh, which is scary. But we need to realize that people don't owe it to us to be here. It's a concern shared by many other rabbis, including Rabbi Shapiro in the first episode. The worry that low amounts of anti-Semitism, while ultimately a good thing, also have the negative effect of not pushing Jews towards Judaism and Jewish institutions. I was a member of AEPI fraternity, and how AEPI fraternity how it got started was this guy in the early 1900s wasn't allowed into any fraternity because he was Jewish. And that's not the case now. So people say, "Why well, do I have to pigeon my whole pigeonhole myself into a a Jewish group when I can be accepted anywhere for who I am and not just labeled as Jew?" So with that assimilation and that acceptance, we have a real challenge of now reframing it and saying we aren't forced to have a Jewish identity, but why is it worth keeping it? So Spectre draws inspiration from Rabbi Rick Jacobs, the head of the Union for Reform Judaism. Rabbi Jacobs speaks of the need for audacious hospitality and not expecting people to come in unprompted. Also, you know, one of the things I said I needed to come to work here was an expense line for me to get outside the walls of the synagogue and meet people for coffee, meet people for frozen yogurt, meet people for lunch. And I do that almost every single day. That's incredibly important. Sometimes walking into a synagogue is really intimidating. People need to get to know us on an interpersonal level. And that's more than just making the community relevant, but making Judaism relevant. And Spectre thinks that should be done not just by focusing on Jewish traditions and customs, but on Jewish values, too. I think going back to the prophets and saying, we need to be a light unto the nations of the world in a time of darkness. I think a lot of people are seeing darkness in our world right now, and hopefully Judaism can be an outlet for them to be that light, to illuminate it, uh, the world through social action, social justice work. For Spectre, justice is key to his Judaism. He says a lot of things that might be considered political issues, like LGBTQ rights and voter rights, are really Jewish issues. 
when I get up there and I talk about these things, I'm not speaking as a politician. I'm speaking about my interpretation, my personal interpretation of um, Jewish law and Jewish values and how these issues fit into them. I don't think the Torah should be an heirloom. I think it should be a living fountain. And so we, we need to speak out on things in the world. And I think Judaism can help inform the way we see things. Uh, that means debated as well. I, I have congregants who have very different interpretations than I do. And um, I think that those people should have the opportunity to say, this is where I find my Jewish values. Specter also leans into another critical issue for the Jewish people, and something that has come up in every episode so far, intermarriage. Similar to Rabbi Gruenwald in Colorado, he takes a more open approach. For Specter, nothing is going to turn back the tide of interreligious unions, and nothing is gained from shunning the couples. Just because they walk into my office and I say, I know I won't marry you, doesn't mean they go up, oh, well, the rabbi won't marry us. I guess we won't spend our life together. No, they, they would spend their life together. And they would still get married. But what would happen is they would say, in my first exposure to Judaism, I asked my the most important day of my life be a Jewish moment. And I was told, no, you're not wanted here. I don't accept your relationship. And as a result so many of those people said, I'm not going to raise my children as Jews. I'm not going to raise my children in a community that doesn't love their parents' marriage. He says this will probably make the question of what is Jewish peoplehood one of the biggest changes to Judaism in the next 40 years. Something that's commonly said to me is you don't look Jewish. And I'm always like, well, what does that mean? And you're already seeing the changing demographics. And I think that in a number of years, our, our religious schools are going to be full of Hispanic and Asian American and African American children. You're already seeing that. But right now when somebody is Asian American and says they're Jewish or something, people seem kind of caught off guard or, or ask, oh, did did you convert? Or they assume that African-American coming into our synagogue is a guest or something and is not, don't automatically register that this person's probably Jewish coming to pray. And I think that in 40 years that will change. Maybe that's a good thing. And more than just the people changing, Spectre also thinks there are changes of perspectives. And more than just changing attitudes on traditions and customs, like mentioned in other episodes, he says there's also a change of perspectives on Jewish history and the Jewish state. Judaism is very different today than it was for my father's generation. Uh, we aren't seeing Israel struggle for its own survival anymore like it was in the Six-Day War and the War of Independence. We aren't in the immediate aftermath of the Holocaust. And people are relating with those two events in history, the Holocaust and the creation of Israel, in, in different ways than previous generations. And I think there's, um, for a lot of young Jews, I think that there's a bit of a, an identity struggle as well with Israel um, in a way that wasn't present for the previous couple generations. Will Israel be a Jewish state that matches our values? Uh, what's going to be of the Arab, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict? Are we going to be a progressive Jewish state in Israel? Or are we going to have 
um, a theocratic state in Israel? And what does that mean for relationships with the diaspora? Moving forward, Specter thinks it's critical for there to be unity. Not a unity of ideas or practices, but a unity that goes deeper than that. Something he finds in Torah. I think that the greatest gift that Judaism gave to the world as a religion is the idea that people have the ability to be holy. It says in the Torah that everybody was creating God's image and likeness. And then later in the Torah, God says, remember that you are holy because I'm holy. That, that was, came out 3,000 years ago. And up until that point, um, to my knowledge, people couldn't be, I mean, maybe individuals like a, a priest or something or a pharaoh, a king, but your average person wasn't holy. I think that right now we're living in a time where people aren't seeing holiness in each other. I think when Hillary Clinton is calling people deplorable, she's not seeing holiness in others. I think when Donald Trump is saying racist things against um, Hispanic people and against and Islamophobic things as well and mocking disabled reporters, I don't think he is seeing holiness in others. I think that my main role is to promote that idea of holiness. Rabbi Sam Spector clergies a unique community and acts as the diplomat to a major religion. And he taught me that no matter where Jews find themselves, we find ways to make things work. It certainly was a highlight of my time in Utah, and after my lovely chat, I went about my day in Salt Lake City, which included a trip to the LDS Museum and Temple Grounds. Because hey, when in Rome. I know that sounded corny, but I'm proud of it. Episode 3 of American Rabbi Project, Utah, the Reformative Rabbi of Rome, was written and produced by me, Justin Regan. Derek Pova handles the web stuff and texts me important reminders at 1 in the morning. The podcast's logo was created by Dan Ziffer from Dandelion Digital. I want to thank Jeremy Crones, Sarit Rathbone, Beth Vanderstoop, Dylan Abrams, and my parents for the assistance, as well as Bruce Horwitz, Catherine Cohn, Jacob, and Corinne for hosting me while I was in Utah. You can find all previous episodes of American Rabbi Project as well as an auxiliary blog and an index of Jewish terms on my website, rabbiproject.com. Once again, that is rabbiproject.com. Feel free to reach out to me with an email to roadtrip at rabbiproject.com. Once again, roadtrip at rabbiproject.com. Follow us on Twitter with the handle at rabbiproject and facebook.com slash rabbiproject. And until next time, Shalom and safe driving.